0: Why is
1: there a stereotype that in order to achieve the things that like Einstein achieved that you have to also look like Einstein? I think I look the polar opposite of Einstein. I mean, maybe, you know, the hair in the morning.
0: (laughs) Hey, my name is Jenna Kutcher and I am obsessed with all things business, marketing numbers and helping you to navigate both the messy and the magical seasons of this thing called life. At 15 years old, Kiana Cave was researching the BP oil spill and inventing new ways of detecting toxins in seawater after spills. Before she was barely 20, she'd received millions in funding to continue her scientific research. Now, at 21, she's inventing a non hormonal birth control pill. We were all on a team video call when I told my team about what this incredible woman has accomplished, and I watched everyone's jaw drop to the floor. She is a scientist and a CEO, she's a woman innovating for women, and she encourages girls to pursue careers in science, technology, engineering, and math too. Kiana is a brilliant mind and a beautiful soul, and I'm so excited that she's on the Gold Digger podcast to share her incredible story with us today. We talk about life and business as a woman in science, what's great about it? what's not so great? How does she respond to criticism or challenges unique to being a woman in that field? Are you ready to hear from this change maker? Here she is, Kiana. All right, Kiana, from the day I met you, I said you have to come on my podcast. And today it is finally happening. So welcome to the Gold Digger podcast.
1: Thank you. I'm so excited. I mean, it's such an honor to even be included in this. I look up to you so much. So thank you for having me.
0: Oh Yes. And you told me just seconds ago, this is your first podcast interview ever. So I am just so excited for you to get to share your story in your own terms. So let's dive on into it. Who is Kiana?
1: Who is Kiana? (laughs) (laughs) What
0: a loaded question.
1: First and foremost, I identify as a chemist. And that was something that I've been calling myself since very early high school. I started off wanting to be a lawyer, actually, of all things. (laughs) Um, And then I moved to New Orleans and I was on an engineering track in high school. My mom is the one that actually recommended it. And I was terrified of math, terrified of science, but something in me just said, okay, I'll listen to my mom. And if I don't like this track, I can always drop it and do something else. But I ended up sticking with it. And that was partly just because of the amazing mentors and teachers that I had at the high school. They were all so personally invested in my success that it was hard not to love what I was doing. And eventually, that turned into me doing chemical research like over the summers. And living down in New Orleans on the Gulf Coast, the BP oil spill was something that had really affected us. So my research was primarily focused on the aftermaths of the oil spill and how to clean it up. So I ended up raising a few million dollars, actually, to continue that research into college. I went to the University of Michigan. I actually just recently, I'm taking a break, I would like to call it. My mom doesn't like me to use the term dropout. So I'm taking a break, (laughs) but (laughs) now... I'm using those same chemistry skills. Now that the oil spill project is over, I'm focusing on a non-hormonal birth control pill. So that's sort of a summary of me and we can go more into depth, but yeah, that's a good summary.
0: I was just telling you, so we had our team call this week and I was just sharing about how excited I was about this interview. And I just casually threw out like Kiana's working on a hormoneless birth control. And one of my team members literally fell out of her chair. (laughs) And I feel like so many women are like, wait, tell me more. So dive on into what this is and how you got into it.
1: Yeah, totally. So After the last project finished, so I had developed using chemistry, like something that can clean up oil spills. So I don't know if you're familiar with the certain toxins that can form in seawater after an oil spill, but a lot of them can cause cancer. So I was using my chemistry skills to sort of come up with a way to neutralize those cancerous toxins in the oil and actually turn them back into water. So I realized then how much I really like using chemistry to solve really big problems. And I didn't necessarily want to be called oil spill girl the rest of my life. I saw it more as like a project that would come to an end. So when it did end, I got really bored. And around the same time, I started having really bad issues with the pill, And it's something that I had been on since I was 16. Like a lot of young women I know, whenever we have any sort of issue, whether it be irregular period or painful periods like cramping, that sort of thing, our doctors just don't hesitate to just throw us on the pill, you know? It seems like a universal solution. So that's what happened. And it took a couple of years before I really started seeing the effects. And in the beginning, I didn't attribute what I was feeling to the pill just because I had been on it for so long without any negative effects. But I had gained about 15 pounds in the course of two weeks. I started having acne when I previously never like, had a major breakout in my life. And My friends were starting to tell me I was a little bit moody, which normally, like, I'm a pretty stable person. So I went to about four doctors. And by the way, those visits start to add up um, in terms of costs. So it was starting to really weigh on me like, what is wrong with me? Am I dying? So eventually I go to one doctor and she says, you know what, let's do, let's test your hormones. Let's see what's going on there. And when I got the results back, it actually showed that my body was technically in menopause, meaning that my estrogen levels and my testosterone levels, which are the primary like female sex hormones were so low that my body thought that I was closer to the age 65 than I was. And you're 20. Yeah. I was, I was 19 when this was happening. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It was insane. And I thought that my first thought was how the heck did I not see this? And my next thought was like, is this happening to other people? Like why me? And so I started talking to my friends about it, of course, because I I needed people to sort of lean on. And that's when I started to realize that this is a bigger problem than just me. It's happening to a lot of young women. And we're also running into this scenario where we go to multiple doctors and they start to convince us that it's definitely not the pill. And I know that they have their own reasons and they have to follow certain protocols and criteria for like diagnosis. But I definitely I've run surveys, I've had 1000s of responses from women, and around 82, 82 or 85% of those responses have come back saying that they've experienced some sort of negative side effect, with 3% of those women saying that they've ended up in the hospital with stroke. So
0: insane. I was just thinking I had a flashback when you were talking and in my 20s, I really struggled with acne and I just couldn't figure it out. I went to our doctor and I had an IUD at the time and they put Mm -hmm. me on the pill on top of the IUD to try to clear up my acne. And it was so crazy because I was just I wanted a solution so badly and I wanted to believe that something would help and when I started to dig into it and really think about it, I'm like, wait a second. Like, they didn't ask me about my diet. They didn't check my hormone levels. They just put me on the pill and sent me on my way. Right. And it was such an eye-opening experience when we went through our fertility struggles. And I started working with a naturopath doctor. And she did all of our testing and she's like, you know, I don't know if we'll be able to figure out what caused your miscarriages, but if anything, you're going to walk away knowing your body on a whole new level and our hormones impact everything. Can you talk a little bit more about that?
1: Yeah. I mean, there are so many things that we don't think about on the day to day that our hormones really heavily impact. I mean, so estrogen is the primary female sex hormone. So I'll just explain a little bit about what happens when we do take the pill. So the primary function of the pill, it's meant to shut down ovulation. So that's how we don't get pregnant. Ovulating is when our body like drops an egg and then the egg gets fertilized and then a pregnancy happens. (laughs) That's a, a really high level way to explain it. But when we don't ovulate, obviously there's no chance of getting pregnant but I have a strong belief that we need to ovulate. I feel like ovulation has such heavy implications on the rest of the, the way that our body really functions. So when we take the pill, it's a combination of synthetic estrogen and synthetic testosterone. So it's mimicking those hormones in the body. When we take it, the body recognizes those hormones and then says, oh, so I guess we don't need to produce those ourselves now because you're taking them. So our body shuts down the natural production of estrogen and progesterone. But in reality, the dosage of estrogen in the pill is only one tenth of what our body would naturally produce. So that's why when I went in for that blood test, it showed that I was basically in menopause because my body only had one tenth of the estrogen that I would normally be producing. So in that case, it's just it's really scary, number one, to think that just for the sake of whether it be acne or like strong periods or whatever, we're shutting down ovulation. So there was a study on primates done recently where it actually showed that the hormonal pill sort of repels the opposite sex primate. So to go into detail about that, they put a bunch of primates together on a large campus and they paired a male primate with three female primates and they let them run for a few weeks and the male primate stayed with those three female mates. And then they put the three female mates on the birth control pill. And the male primate actually went and found three new female primates to mate with, which is insane because these are real results and they've been able to repeat this experiment so many times. But the fact is like, it's just such an under-researched field So something I'm really passionate about is making sure that we have more funding to do more research on women's health in general, because those results are pretty serious. And I don't understand why more people wouldn't want to dig deeper into why that male primate went and found three new females once his original mates went on the pill,
0: you know? That's wild. Well, and... On episode 270 of the show, we had Claire Baker come on and she talked about periods. And it was honestly one of my favorite episodes ever because, I mean, we as women, we experience this or we've been impacted by it in our lives. And it was such a beautiful way. So if you're struggling to think, okay, well... The pill suppresses my period. Why would I want to get my period again? Go to episode 270 and listen to it because you're going to think about ovulation in a whole new way, no matter what season of life you're in. It totally transformed the way that I just look at our cycles and how beautiful they actually can be. Walk me through, you figure this out about yourself, you start to dig into the research. Then what? What action did you start to take to actually be working on a hormoneless birth control? I mean, there's got to be a lot of steps that happened in there. Gold diggers, we all know the B2B landscape can be a bit complex. From lengthy buying cycles to complicated decision making processes, reaching your target audience can be tough. But I found a solution tailored just for you LinkedIn ads. Now for over 60% off. Do not miss out on this crazy deal. They rarely do discounts and it expires soon. That's activations.com forward slash gold digger.
1: Right. Oh, yeah, totally. So naturally, something I did first was I tried to devise a theoretical molecule that could be the solution to the problem I was having. Yes, that's just the way that my mind works, Uh, find a problem and then do some chemistry and (laughs) try to fix it. (laughs) But over time, I realized that even though I have this like theoretical version of a solution, I'm what, 19, 20, it would be really difficult for me to bring a drug to market from scratch at this age while I'm still in college. So I sort of put it on the back burner for about a semester. And during that time, I was actually doing a chemical engineering like consultancy for one of the really big oil firms. But during that time, I also got really bored and I couldn't keep my mind off of this birth control thing, no matter what. And I think that that's when you know, when you can't keep your mind off of something for that long, even when you have all of this other exciting stuff going on. I think that's when I realized Like, hey, I think I need to drop everything to do this, you know. And so that's what I did. And I did some more digging. I actually discovered that there is a drug very similar to the one that I theorize, and it has existed in India for the past twenty years. And so, ask me why it hasn't been brought to market yet. (laughs) It took me about five months to really get a firm answer, and I, I talked to and interviewed a lot of people in big pharma, a lot of people who work for the government and the FDA. And the ultimate answer was that it would disrupt the economy, not necessarily the American economy as a whole, but it would disrupt the the current profit margins for all of the other 40 plus hormonal pills on the market if we were to introduce a non-hormonal one. So yeah, ultimately
0: and then you're like so? <laughs> yeah. Right. And
1: I mean, I guess that's just how I think, but I can you know, imagine that to spend 10 million dollars to bring this through clinical trials just to have it offset the distribution of profits for all of their other products. I guess from that perspective I see why it hasn't been brought here yet, but that's such a terrible reason because this is our health we're talking about so frustrating.
0: So what have you been working on and walk me through what it's looked like for you as a scientist? What? Like, how crazy is this?
1: So as a scientist, I will say it's been pretty frustrating because if I could have it my way, I would be working in a lab 24-7, just playing with chemicals and being a total nerd. But because this is such a serious thing. I've taken a more hands-off approach and focused more on using the resources that I've accumulated over the years through my last company, through some of the awards I've gotten to build up the resources to sort of make this happen. So There are third-party clinical trial organizations out there who run all of the trials for you, who have a really good track record of getting FDA approval. And since FDA approval is our ultimate goal here, and I've never really conducted a clinical trial personally, it just made more sense for me to focus more on the fundraising aspect of it. So that's what I've been doing. I have raised enough at this point to start clinical trials in late March. So we're really excited about that. It will from here be another few years before anything gets approved. But just knowing that I have been able to garner that sort of support around this has been amazing. It's game changing.
0: It's life-changing for so many people. I want to know, you are a 21-year-old woman, a beautiful woman, let me just say, <laughs> who's also a scientist. And I know that you've received pushback because of your age, because of your gender, because you, quote, don't look like a scientist. Talk to me about what that's been like to get some of those criticisms or some of those obstacles thrown at you when they likely wouldn't be thrown at someone that looks different than you.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, where would I begin with that? (laughs) (laughs) I just remember the first thing that comes to mind is waking up one morning and getting this alert, like a Google alert, saying that there has been a Reddit forum started about me where people were specifically arguing about my arm hair. (laughs) What? (laughs) They were trying to figure out my ethnicity based on the fact that i had hairy arms (laughs) and
0: oh my goodness
1: i was just i started to and ultimately this sort of thread it was started by someone who was trying to say that like this girl is super pretty and focusing on my looks and it it was something that sort of evolved into talking about something really disturbing and that's when i sort of realized like this would never happen to like one of my male counterparts, like they would not have a forum started about them where people were digging like years back into their Instagram accounts and like citing actual photos and stuff like that. And having something like that happen, I guess I was in tears and I was thinking, why are people focusing on this? Nobody, not once in that forum brought up any of my actual like accomplishments. And like another like story like this was, freshman year of college, I was walking to one of my engineering classes and I was approached by this group of students and they sort of yelled over to me and they said, well, hey, aren't you the Forbes girl? And (laughs) I acknowledged them and I said, yeah, I am. But my name's Kiana. (laughs) And the first thing out of one of their mouths was Wow, like my friends and I read your bio and we read all of this stuff about you. And then we saw your picture and we were like, that's not fair because we didn't think that you would actually be attractive after hearing about all the stuff that you've done. And I said, I mean, how does that make any sense? Like, why is there a stereotype that in order to achieve the things that like Einstein achieved, that you have to also look like Einstein. I think I look the polar opposite of Einstein. I mean, maybe, you know, that the hair in the morning. Very similar. <laughs> but aside from that, I think that it's really important to sort of normalize whatever I am, <laughs> a scientist that also cares about their appearance, because there are lots of us out there. There really are. It's just not normalized yet. And I would much prefer the stereotype to be sexy scientist.
0: Hey, yeah. (laughs) I can get behind that for sure. (laughs) Walk me through what it's been like being an airy, real role model. That's actually where we met at the set of the photo shoot. Both of our moms were there. You got to meet Coco. What has that been like? Because they have gotten, I mean, you can totally talk about this too, but just the most incredible group of women who are change makers, who are really just setting out to influence the world. What has that been like for you?
1: Oh, my gosh, it's been life changing. Like you don't understand. It's been something that's been really difficult is the more I think, success that I find in life and through like my company, the more that I grow as a person, the less easy it is to relate to the people in my life. And I think coming to like the Aerie photo shoot in New York, and then again, at the launch, I was finally connecting with a bunch of women who were having the same problems that I was having. And that's why I think your podcast is so important too. Like once I met you, I started stalking you a little bit and listening to the Gold Digger podcast and finally hearing from women who have huge goals and who aren't afraid to share that with the world. And it it's just been so inspiring to me on a level that like I'm just so grateful to have this community. I really am.
0: Well, I'm so grateful to have you in my community. When you talk about other women and encouraging them, I hope that you see yourself as this pinnacle of what's possible. And I want to hear about your work about encouraging other women and girls to pursue careers in science or technology, engineering, math, any of those areas. What kind of work are you doing to do that?
1: So right now I'm doing a lot of speaking and I really do I want to get more into that sort of women's empowerment role, but something that I've found at least for right now is that whenever I go to a speaking event that's geared towards young women, I always get a huge follow-up from a bunch of girls where I'm then able to sort of have a, like a more personal mentorship relationship where I feel I can actually make the most impact just because I've had some amazing mentors in my life, and I feel like I wouldn't be where I am and I wouldn't have the ambitions that I have without those mentors consistently telling me that it's okay to have these huge goals. Mentorship on a personal level is the most important thing. So I love that there are these huge programs out there, but until we can each find someone to give us a more like personal and streamlined version of like mentorship. I feel like that's the really, really the key to changing our lives in that way.
0: Mm. I think that's so beautiful. It's crazy to me that you say that you get bored when I think about what (laughs) you (laughs) What is something that's just like exciting you these days? Like, because I know that what you're working on right now as your project. This is a long time thing. You can't just do something and see results the next day. There's so much that goes into it. So what's kind of getting you out of bed in the morning?
1: I think the number one thing getting me out of bed in the morning is just, well, number one, I make sure to set up calls with My co founder, Audrey, who we just became co founders about a week ago. So, you guys haven't heard about her yet, but I'm really excited to launch with her. We're launching the brand in about a month or so. So, stay tuned for that. But I think ultimately what gets me out of bed is this mission and knowing that what we're about to launch is going to hopefully change the lives of so many women. And so, hearing people's stories. I make sure to set up at least a few calls a week where it's not really business related, but it's more setting up calls with normal women and hearing their stories because that's what keeps me going. That's what like fuels me. It's just knowing that each of these stories, like I'm finding a solution for all of these people. So
0: that's so beautiful. I have a feeling that people listening to this episode are maybe thinking, okay, what do I need to do? Or what are next steps? Or how can I learn more about my hormones? Or I'm on the pill. What do I do? Can you yeah, just share some insights or some tools that we can leave our listeners with today so that they leave feeling equipped?
1: So obviously number one, go and follow the account We Are Sublima because that account will be launched in the next few weeks or so. And I'm really excited to start pushing out a lot of educational content in regards to hormones and the birth control pill. But someone who really inspires me right now, who I also think is spearheading this hormone movement is Dr. Jolene Brighton. And I think her Instagram name is Dr. Brighton, if I'm not mistaken. But she has a lot of content about hormones already out there. And she sells hormonal supplements so that if you're already on the pill and you would like to transition off of it, she sells supplements that sort of aid in that transition. But I would say, number one, first and foremost, remember to be safe. So I really don't want to encourage anyone to just go off of the pill cold turkey. And I'm not trying to freak anyone out with all of this preaching about how the pill is terrible. It's safety is definitely number one. And so I know it sucks that this non-hormonal pill won't be out for a few years, but definitely if you aren't willing to use condoms or you're not willing to get an IUD in this very moment, I would still say that the pill is, is obviously the best option. But if you do have other resources and maybe even willing to get an IUD, then there are resources like Dr. Jolene Brighton's supplements that can help you with that transition.
0: That's amazing. And I love that this is just a conversation that we're having. I I love to believe and hope that someday when my daughter is older, that we have solutions like this in place and that there's options and opportunities that we weren't afforded, even in our privileged state of what country (laughs) we live in. And so I am so excited. What would you tell someone who feels like they have a weird passion or a fascination with something that might not be textbook like yourself?
1: Well, I would say that that's when you really like need to drop everything and follow that itch. What I always tell people now is find the one thing that you would drop everything else for and then become the best at that thing and you'll be fine. I promise. <laughs>
0: I need to know what your parents think about this journey. I mean, when you think of what you've accomplished in your life, you are 10 years younger than me, almost exactly 10 years. <laughs> so You are 21 and you've accomplished so much. What do your parents think about this?
1: Oh, I constantly scare the crap out of them. <laughs> <laughs> I I can say.
0: I love your mom. I got to meet your mom, which is amazing. I
1: mean, she's the greatest. We have that type of relationship where we sort of bantered like sisters would. And I feel like it's taken a lot of growth on both ends to really get to this point because I think, I mean, at one point, yeah, she was, she's, she still is really like scared to death of what I'm doing. But I think that part where I said like you really have to become the best at whatever it is you're doing so whatever you drop everything else for make sure that it like you pour your whole your life and your soul into it and you become the best and I think once you do everyone else in your life will start to kind of see why you made the decisions that you made so I think they're starting to warm up to the idea of what I'm doing but The dropping out of school thing, especially giving up a full ride. Yeah. Yeah, they were terrified.
0: Yeah. I think that's beautiful about parenting is sometimes the things that scare the crap out of our parents are our calling. And sometimes it just takes them a tiny bit longer to understand and trust the process. Yeah, for sure. So I want to know for a girl that has been on the Forbes 30 Under 30, you've been Glamour Woman of the Year, What does it feel like to embark on a new decade? What are you excited about? What is firing you up?
1: Oh my gosh. (laughs) Well, on the short term, I would say obviously the launch of my company and just knowing that this whole decade is probably going to be dedicated to women's health. That's exactly how I want it. But I just know that like starting a new decade, I really, I feel like I left a lot of fears, in the past decade the fear to really be vulnerable with people it's so important to be able to call on people when you need help instead of being stubborn and trying to do things all by yourself because it'll never get done that way and that's something that i had to learn the hard way so i'm really excited about using the resources that i have and i can already see the the huge change that that's made and asking for help and not just that, but being vulnerable with people about like some of the harder things that like it really takes to be an entrepreneur and not trying to show off the glamorous parts of this life, because it is definitely not glamorous like 90% of the time. So yeah, I'm, I'm just really excited about showing the real me and obviously growing this platform that I have for women's health.
0: Oh, I am ready. And I can just say for a moment, you are doing an excellent job. I feel like even from the Aerie shoot day to the launch day, there was so much growth in all of us. Like yeah. We are all just growing and evolving and trying and failing and, and starting and stopping and dreaming. And it's just, it's so refreshing to be around women who are, tackling hard hurdles and that continue to show up for life isn't it wild oh yeah it really is where can everybody find you and connect with you and find more about your research and just learn all things Kiana
1: so (laughs) I'm really bad at social media but my Instagram handle is at Kiana Kave so it's at K-E-I-A-N-A-C-A-V-E and if there's anything about me you'll find it there I am working on sort of posting more to other platforms, but right now. That's a perfect
0: place to start, girlfriend. (laughs) I follow you. (laughs) Amazing. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast and for sharing your story and for encouraging and inspiring women. I really hope that when Coco grows up, she sees pictures of women like you that are representing the beautiful direction that STEM is going in and the way that we can be whoever we want to be.
1: That's so sweet. Thank you so much for having me. I had a blast.
0: I had to smile when Kiana just said, you know, when I see a problem, I just think about how chemistry could solve it. To me, I was like, "Mm, I usually grab my computer and hit the Google search bar. I love I love her amazing, amazing brain and the way that it works. And I think if anything, if we could just be more informed and know how to ask questions to make the best decision for us. I know for me personally, through my health journey and through our losses and through pregnancy and everything, I just became so much more aware of the questions that I need to be asking and and I felt empowered to be the one to ask them. I am so impressed with what Kiana has done. She is literally a decade younger than me and I can only imagine all of the change that she can create and make within the world think about it. Just think about what's possible for her, but also what's possible for you, my listener. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Gold Digger podcast. I am so, so grateful you chose to hit play today. Until next time, Gold Diggers, keep on digging your biggest goals. I'm over here giving you a virtual high five because you just finished another episode of the Gold Digger podcast.